Hi, Vikram. I'm Rachel, and this is In the Grow. Hi, Rachel. I'm Vikram. Uh, the sun is shining, and I got paid. It's a great day. <laughs> Your energy level is just like, it's up here. Yeah. And that's very good. I, it's I different that. than the last couple of weeks where it was way <laughs> down at the floor. Yep. What are we doing? Today, we are talking about watering and picking the correct varieties of warm season crops. That's right, we are. Yeah, we are. Because almost upsettingly, it's time to start thinking about the warm season crops. I'm not upset. I'm all about this spring energy. Bring it. Let's go. Let's go. It's just like somehow this year's going. So fast. It, it has both been four years long mm-hmm. and one minute long. I don't know how. It's weird. Actually, yeah, I can. I, I feel that. I do. Anyway. Bell pepper is a great warm season crop. But bell pepper is a great warm season crop. Yeah. And you probably want to. Do we don't do that first? Do we want to talk about crops first or water first? I thought we would talk about water first, but since I burped and it smelled like bell pepper <laughs> that I ate, I thought of bell peppers. We can we can start with bell peppers. Yeah. So I know we've talked in the past about using seeds from stuff you've bought at the store. Yes. But there are certain things that you buy at the store that may have been bred to not give you a viable seed. Is that correct? So, and which ones are those? Maybe yes, and, and maybe there's yes. probably some varieties or some like cultivars in a lot of the fruits and vegetables we eat. But mm-hmm. I think the bigger concern with a lot of that, like most of your, if it's not seedless, right? Mm-hmm. If it has viable seed, most of the things you buy at the grocery store, most of the fruits and veggies, like will grow mm-hmm. for the most part. Right? Okay. There's some there's some exceptions for sure. Although they may not be the right variety for your our area. That and that's it, right? Okay. So when you go to buy a bell pepper, yeah, let's let's stick with bell peppers, right? Well, because I saved a bunch of bell pepper seeds last year or the year before, and when I tried to grow them, they did not want to grow. But it's probably because the varieties not right. That could be part of it, and sometimes too, like Although depending this is on Texas, this is pepper area. No, peppers do well here. Yeah, that's why I'm like, you but, should grow here. But not all varieties of peppers, right? And and I think some of it too is that there are times when sometimes a pepper will get harvested before the seeds are totally mature and viable, right? Because mm-hmm. you can one thing about peppers is you can eat them at any stage of development. Truth. Right? You don't have to go all the way through the season until it's completely quote unquote ripe. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the the flavors change depending on when you harvest a lot of peppers, right? So the mm. Uh, sometimes if you harvest them real small, they'll be even hotter than when they're fully mature. Sometimes it's vice versa. Yeah. The flavor profiles change. So like peppers are one of those things that depending on when you harvest them in the season, maybe you don't even have viable seed yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Depending on the crop. But the bigger concern in my mind is that, okay, you go and you buy your green bell pepper that, you know, looks like you want it to. It's a size you want, all of that. The odds of those seeds being true to type are pretty low. What does that mean? So when I say true to type, I mean that when you plant the seed, that you're going to get the same variety you had, mm-hmm. right? So if you take your green pepper, you plant the seeds, there's a chance that you're going to get like more diverse crops than that, more diverse varieties than that. Mm-hmm. Because as they cross pollinate out in the field, they're not doing it in any specific way. Mm-hmm. They are open pollinated. Uh-huh. So you've got bees and butterflies and whatever else that are pollinating it, but they could be pollinating it with pollinating it with different varieties. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you buy your seed packet, they are bred for seed production. Yeah. So they're crossing them in very targeted ways. They are ensuring as much as possible that you get the right variety that's on the package. 
But that next generation, maybe, maybe not. So the cross-pollination just messes stuff up. Yeah, I mean, because again, bees are not really up on our, you know, propagation protocols for our crops. So they're just going to go wherever. It's like you said that in the other episode about like, A plant will do something that's completely not like what's in the textbook because they don't read our books. They they don't have to read textbooks. They don't don't know. They just do their own thing. They nature. Yeah, they nature. Nature's a verb from now on. I'm on board with that. I like that. Nature does nature. Nature's nature. Naturing. Naturing. Yeah. So you go and you buy your bell pepper. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get. Like, you'll get a bell pepper, but you don't know what variety it's going to be. Same thing like if you have if you buy apples right mm-hmm. at the store, you could probably grow those apple seeds, but you don't you're probably not going to get your pink lady or yeah. whatever variety it is. It could be a vastly different variety. Isn't there a thing about like avocado seeds don't really grow into avocados? They can, but they're usually not true to type. Mm-hmm. And also, doesn't it? It takes many, many years for an avocado yeah, like, tree to like actually bear years. fruit. Like yeah. 10 years or more. And avocados have... This may be too in the weeds for what we're doing, but like <laughs> they have like an A type and a B type. So like different varieties, sometimes the male flowers will be open in the morning, uh-huh. but only in the morning. And uh-huh. then the female flowers will be only open the, in the afternoon. So they cannot self-pollinate. Like they have male oh. and female flowers. And they both need to be pollinated? No, like just the female flowers have to be pollinated, uh-huh. but they have to be pollinated by another variety, another type of avocado oh, where the, with the male flowers yeah. are open at the right time. Gotcha. So it sort of ensures cross pollination and like cross breeding. Uh-huh. In, it, it, in, it ensures genetic diversity. Exactly. In the avocado right. populations. <laughs> and so, uh, so, yeah, you can grow your little avocado tree. Okay. And you can even get it to flower. But the odds of actually ever getting an avocado off of it are very low. Okay. So that was kind of a tangent as we get into picking the correct varieties and us talking about the proper watering techniques and just considerations that you should take into mind before starting your garden. Garden. Yeah. Your warm garden. So maybe you already thought about it because you did a spring crop. Like we told you. Yeah, good job. Good job, you. High well, five. Well Virtual done. high fives. We both did it. <laughs> uh, we actually timed it pretty well, too. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's actually a good discussion, though, because a lot of times they're like, I'm just going to go to the grocery store. You know, I bought vegetables at the grocery store. I'll mm-hmm. just grow those. You have no idea what you're going to get because those. the Pepper odds roulette. Pepper roulette. But pretty also, fun, though. But other things, too, right? Like you could grow tomatoes. You could grow all these. But they, the odds that they were grown here mm. are you know, slim to none. So maybe if you bought something at the farmer's market. Sure, that's a little different. Go down to Wolferth because they got one every weekend. And yeah, and and then, but still, we still have the same problem with the open pollination and all that. So when you go and you buy a variety of seeds, mm-hmm. right, you're buying sort of the guarantee that you're going to get the plants that are on that label. Now, what I'm not saying and what I don't want you to hear is that you shouldn't save seed because I think you should. Yeah. And some plants are more stable yeah. with their seed lines than others. Yeah. And if you buy like heirloom seeds, like to be an heirloom seed, it has to like grow true to type yeah. for like 50 years or something. I just thought of the slowest bingo game ever. <laughs> it's with pepper roulette. Pepper like roulette. You make that a takes... bingo card of different types of pepper <laughs> just you and then you just all. save random seeds of peppers and plant them all and see what you get. It's kind of a fun idea though. <laughs> I kind of like it. Super slow bingo. Super slow. You just be, be patient. So 
when you're picking a variety, right, there is probably a variety of whatever crop you want to grow that will do well here, right? So so there are tomatoes that will do better in Lubbock than in other places. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're more heat tolerant. Maybe they're more drought tolerant. Maybe they're more tolerant of our high pH soils than others, or they're resistant to some disease that's common here. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of options. And I think the biggest thing you can do, and one of the things that'll make you the most successful in your garden, is to pick the right variety. So we're looking for things with specific keywords in the names, probably? That's part of it. Or what else? How 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 we go about picking these so there's a lot of guides out there. And and if you're ordering seed from like a seed company, uh-huh. when you look at the like item, right? So say, so let me let me give you a specific example. We grow out at, at Tech at the Garden a variety of tomatoes called Sunrise Bumblebee. Aww, and it's it's a that little sounds adorable. They're really good too. So it's a little yellow cherry tomato. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's striped with red. Okay. So it's a great variety for here, right? It's heat tolerant. It does well in the summer. It, it's one that will actually yield pretty well all summer. It takes a little bit of drought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good in our higher pH soils and water. But you can find that out by looking at the website. So when you order that variety on that page, it'll tell you this is you know more heat tolerant. Mm-hmm. It's good for these types of soils. It's re- recommended for these zones and these areas. Uh, it's resistant to fusarium wilt and verticillium wilt, you know, whatever it is. So I think use the information from the seed catalog or from the seed company. And they this list means all of you that. you have to read. You do have to read. Which I feel like most of our listeners probably do. So that's I, fine. I, I think so too. So like doing a little research, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's nothing wrong with just looking at a bunch of varieties and looking at the pictures and being like, that looks like a great tomato. Yeah. And just trying it. Right? Yeah. I, I'm not opposed to that in any way. But you'll be more successful in the long run by doing a little research on the varieties you're getting and making sure you're getting the varieties that are best adapted to wherever you're growing them. I want a delicious beefsteak tomato that grows here. Yeah. So, uh, oh, gosh, there's one. Um, I can't. Re- so I can't remember a lot of the variety names. But what you can actually do if you're looking for, say, a beefsteak or a large slicer, right, mm-hmm. a, a fresh slicer that you would want to put on a hamburger whatever um eat that plain or like you know with some balsamic and olive oil and salt and pepper yeah yeah you can actually just google like heat tolerant beefsteak seriously no really i mean or or put in your specific kind of area right i what is the best beefsteak tomato or slicer tomato for zone seven Mm -hmm. in high ph soils in a dry climate Right? I feel like those would make really good fried green tomatoes. I think they'd be great, actually. And so, honestly, the way I use Google, and this is actually like a skill I've developed over the year, is I just tell it specifically what I want. Like, if I have a question in my head, right, I want a tomato that meets these categories. You can just put it in your search engine, mm-hmm. and it'll actually probably pull up results that are appropriate. You may have to scroll through and sift through some stuff. Or, like, modify your Modify, search. yeah. But a lot of the companies that sell these seeds actually put those types of descriptions in for their plants. Mm-hmm. And then it fits, right? Then you can pull up something that's appropriate. So I think the biggest deal is like figure out exactly what you want. Like what traits are you going for in your veggies, in your plants in general? 
So I want a sweet banana pepper. I want a red bell pepper. You know, and then and then start to sift through different varieties and find the one that's the best match. And if you do that, you'll be a lot happier in your landscape because you're growing the right plant for the right location. Yep. And that's true for any crop, like not just tomatoes and peppers, like for cucumbers, for bok choy, for yeah. anything you're going to grow. Yeah. I think especially with cucumbers, you really got to find the right variety for here or else they will just... They will shrivel up and die so quickly. They're, they're super like, temperamental. Yeah. If you don't get one that is ready to handle the heat, they're going to just, yeah, they're just going to die. Yep. They'll just quit on you. It's real sad. And they'll happen real fast. They'll be like, hi, I'm happy. I have a leaf or two. Okay, bye. Oh, yeah. And then they're just <laughs> I'm done. gone. Yep. Like overnight, they're just done. Yeah. So I think, again, I tell people a lot, like, you know, we talked about soil last week. Mm-hmm. Make sure your soil is good. The second most important thing you can probably do is choose the right variety for the right location. And as far as zones go, aren't we like 7B? Yeah, we're a 7B. With, you know, give or take, because, you know, take in the considerations of your specific landscape of your yard, which, you know, some people have got a hotter spot or less shade than others might. All that kind of good stuff. You got to pay attention and water correctly. Yeah. Segway. Yeah. Good segue. Water. Yeah. So also water as you start your seeds is important too. Mm-hmm. not just like your watering practice as things are established, which people usually have a better grasp of. But yeah. we'll still talk about that, too. I just maybe if we haven't mentioned it in a while, you should remember that when you start seeds, especially indoors, they don't let them dry out. You right. don't want them standing in water either. Either way, like if they're too wet or too dry, they're going to die. Yes. And just right. They'll be happy. So like right. spritz them, keep them moist and don't don't let it dry out. Yeah, exactly. And and also remember that as that plant first starts come to come up, mm-hmm. you get your little sprout, your two little cotyledons or your one mm-hmm. little cotyledon, whatever. It's not using a lot of water very quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you need to keep it wet, mm-hmm. but you probably don't need to like drown it every day. No. But then as that plant starts to grow and it hits the two leaf stage and mm-hmm. the four leaf stage, like you kind of get an exponential growth curve. Mm-hmm. So it starts to take off. Yeah. So after you get a couple of leaves on that, it's going to start pulling way more water than mm-hmm. it was right as it sprouted. So you have to be able to adjust your watering as that plant grows. So it's smart to rotate them. Like say it's in a sunny window or whatever. It Yeah, that's not a bad idea mm-hmm. just because then they grow kind of straight. The yeah. other thing, and this sounds kind of silly, but if you're starting your seeds indoors, you need to move them around. Yes. Not just like turn them, but you need to like shake them. They need wind, like put a fan on them or something. Yes. Make they sure like that they ha- air. They do. Make sure they have some kind of stress. Because, two, they build a stronger stem. And mm-hmm. we see that in the greenhouse all the time. Yeah. Like, we'll grow plants in, like, this is the ideal environment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no wind. It's happy. But then you put them outside, and it's Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. And it's blowing 30 miles per hour all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll lose a lot of seedlings when you put them outside because they haven't had a reason to develop a strong stem. Right. So as you start your seeds, like, shake the tray around mm-hmm. after they get a couple of leaves on them. And put t- a fan by them. Yeah. Turn them. I was going to say, also take advantage of a nice sunny day where yeah. it's not windy. Like, stick them out on your porch or wherever, and that'll also help with the hardening off process Yeah, if you are starting seeds indoors. Or you can be like me and wreak chaos on your yard and just try to direct <laughs> sow. I'm a fan of direct sowing. Yeah, no, me too, actually. Sure, so starting seeds inside is fun, but the issue for me that I find is, like, I don't always pay attention, so they might dry out. I may not rotate them enough to... 
it's hard to remember to not let them be overcrowded. Like you're excited that you got so many sprouts, but at a certain point you need to thin them out because they're competing. Yeah. And if you want them to have a better chance, you kind of do have to pull some out. It can't be like all anthropomorphized and be like, oh, I feel so bad because it died. <laughs> I pulled it out. I killed it. Nope. Just pull it out. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree. And I that goes, agree. yeah, this is also just, I don't know, I guess a tangent because we're supposed to be talking about the correct varieties and watering them correctly. Okay. But it's it's part of it. Just remember it. It is. Well, and, and put it we, in your brain and thinking about water too, along the same lines, like a little bit of water stress is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you want to keep them well watered. You want to make sure the soil is moist. You want to make sure that seed has what it's what it needs. But if you're I don't know how to say it right, but like if you're doing too good of a job, mm-hmm. that plant doesn't have an incentive to grow a robust root system. It's like coddling a child. It, kind of. <laughs> because kind of. Didn't I say something about kids last episode? I think you did. Too? What's wrong with me? I don't know. I'm in my mother's stage. <laughs> I'm just at that age. Just, that's how it is. It's okay. You got plants. It's, it's good. Yeah. Um. So. Don't coddle them. Well, yeah. Not too much. Because at some point, you're going to go stick them out in the yard. Mm-hmm. Right? Or stick them in your bed. Mm-hmm. And then. They have to be able to establish a strong root system. And if they've never had any reason to develop a robust root system, they're going to really go into a lot of transplant shock. It's going to take them a while to establish, and you got a lag time. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you want to get them up. You want to get them going. You want to get a root system built. But before you go outside of them, part of the hardening off process needs to be backing off on the water a little bit. Mm. Give them just a little bit of water stress. You don't want to want them to go into, like, full wilt mm-hmm. but it's okay if the leaves droop just a little bit it's that's okay. natural it's natural it's part of the process and in nature they're going to do that they're going to go through periods of drought they're going to go through periods of a little extra wind or heat or whatever mm-hmm. and or if a we're squirrel tr- jumping on it yeah and so if we're trying to grow like a good seedling that we're going to be able to put in our yard and have it do well mm-hmm. we need to try to simulate some of those things during the hardening off process mm-hmm. once they're outside some things to think about as you water your goal is to water deeply and as infrequently as possible. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to go out and just sort of like, yeah, I'm going to go just kind of spritz the yard and go inside. Low and slow, like yeah. you're smoking a brisket. Yeah, exactly, right? You want to water low and slow. Water slowly, really push water into the soil, and do it as infrequently as you can get away with, right? During the summer, if it's July and you're trying to grow tomatoes, that may be every day for a little while. But if it's not like the hardest summer every couple of days is enough but then when you water you want to really saturate the soil and you want your water source to be as close to the soil line as possible yeah don't spray it all over your leaves because that's how you get powdery mildew and other stuff it certainly doesn't help and people I've, i've heard the argument before and there's something to it like well you know when it rains it doesn't like like okay but rainwater and the stuff that we pull out of the municipal system or you pump out of a well is not the same Right. You're going to have we have such hard water here. There's different things in our water that if you let it sit on the leaves, you'll get like calcium buildup. Mm-hmm. You'll get salt accumulation. Rainwater's clean. So, yes, it can hit the leaves and be OK. But if you think about it, like diseases and things exist in nature. Yeah. So in a population of plants, when it does rain, you are going to get an explosion of mm-hmm. powdery mildew mm-hmm. or sooty mold or whatever it is. Yeah. So if we're trying to cultivate our plants, Mm -hmm. you want to water as close to the base of the plant as possible. Yeah. Whether that's like with a hose 
or drip line mm-hmm. or whatever else. Like broadcast sprinkling over the leaves is probably the least desirable way to do it. Right. Which is hard to, I guess, accept because you want to throw your sprinkler out there on your day that you can sprinkle, you know, sprinkle, whatever, irrigate. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. we're, we're usually on a watering schedule because this is West Texas and yeah. water is scarce. Yeah. So, you know, I just think it's better to water by hand if you have the time. Yeah. And like you said, it should only be every couple of days. I'm repeating what you're saying because I had a hard time accepting that I didn't need to water every day, sure. which is it seems counterintuitive when we live somewhere like Lubbock, where yes. it gets so hot in the summer and you you look at your plants and they look like they're suffering and you're yeah. like, I need to water that. Yeah. But if you actually go out and like stick your finger in the soil or like put a stick in there, it's a lot more wet down there than you think it is. Like it's there's more water that is retained in that soil than seems logical, I guess, if you're not a soil expert like me. (laughs) So, you know, I'm saying this to the other people like me out there. Listen to Vikram. It really is. There's water down there. Think think about it this way. I think that the best way to think about it is your roots are going to go where the water is. Uh So if you water every day, most of the water is up close to the surface, Mm -hmm. right? And the roots don't have to establish very deeply into the soil because there is always water available. But if it soaks in. They're going to chase it. Their whole job is to find water and pull water and nutrients. Soil drains from the top down. It Mm -hmm. dries from the top down, which makes sense, right? That's where the weather is. Gravity pulls it out. But as water drains down through the soil profile, your roots will go after it. Mm -hmm. So if you water infrequently, especially as the plant is establishing, especially before you get into the fruiting stage, you can establish a deep, healthy root system. And then when it's starting to set fruits and it's using more water more actively, it can go get it. But but also then, once you're fruiting and once you're into the actual reproductive stage of that plant, you can water it more. And that's fine because you've already established a deep, healthy root system. So some stress during the vegetative phase mm-hmm. as that plant is growing leaves and stems and whatever else mm-hmm. is important. Because then once you get to the flowering stage, even if you water more, you've already got that deeper root system established. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know. I'm with you. I think there's a lot of considerations to watering that maybe we don't think about. And this is a good reminder. Just, you know, let it soak in. Wait a couple of days. Sometimes it may be as quick as every other day because it does get so hot here. But you can always check. Do a finger test. You know, put your hand down in the ground and see what's up. Yeah. And and if your plant really does go into like heavy wilt, there's nothing wrong with watering it a little bit more, right? Check it in the morning. Yeah, if it's back to normal after after being resting overnight and the cooling off period. That that's I think the the mistake that gets made sometimes is you go out when it's hot Mm -hmm. and the leaves are droopy, right? The plant is wilted, and you're like, oh no, I haven't watered it enough, and people will go out and water a ton. Wait till the morning. See what it does in the morning. Because wilt is not just a response to lack of water mm-hmm. it can be a response to too much sunlight it can mm-hmm. be a response to too much heat it can be a response to a lot of environmental things so in the morning like you and there's a difference between a little bit of wilt or your plant turning like gray and shriveling mm-hmm. up, right there, there's a line there somewhere but if in the morning your plant has perked back up yeah the leaves are happy again mm-hmm. you're probably okay it's probably not 
water that's your problem. It's probably the sun. Mm-hmm. So what you can do in that uh, situation is maybe try to find a way to add some shade mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a shade structure or moving, like if it's in a pot, moving the plant somewhere else. Yep. If by the end of the day it's super wilted and water's not the problem, mm-hmm. it's probably you're just getting too much sunlight. That plant has photosynthesized yeah. kind of all it can for the day. Yeah. And then it's starting to wilt because it's trying to limit that yeah. process. I think that's a good point to make because if you don't think about that, you are prone to overwatering yeah. because you think we automatically assume that it's a lack of water issue or in general, like I think most people that aren't expert gardeners, that's probably what they're going to think. That's what I would think. Sure. And so and it's, and it's a reasonable thought. Yeah. In, in all honesty, like. And sometimes it is water, right? Yeah. I, I think we just need to think about the way that we approach it. Think about how that plant would act, you know, if we weren't there to water it. And mm-hmm. some some cases, the answer is the plant would die. Yeah. Right? That That is one of the options. Mm-hmm. That it is too hot. That it is too dry. Like, that, that plant's not going to do well there. And that happens. But with our veggies and stuff, I think consistent watering is important. Mm-hmm. You want to water on a schedule. You want to make sure that you're watering as necessary. But you also need to dial that in. And this is not a thing you even have to do every year. Once you kind of figure out, okay, if I'm growing tomatoes in West Texas, through the spring, I can water every third day. Mm-hmm. When July hits, we're off to the races. I'm going to water it some every night, right? Mm-hmm. There are cases, if it's 110 every day, that plant probably is pulling all the water that's available to it, trying yep. to survive. Water it. Great. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But you want to adjust your watering to the growth stage of the plant mm-hmm. and to the season that you're in. Yeah. I know I mentioned earlier it's better if you can hand water or use a drip line, but it's still okay if you use your sprinkler on yeah. your on your day. Like yes. I'm not going to not do that because it saves you so much time. Instead of me standing outside watering for 30 minutes, I can stick the freaking sprinkler on. And, and I will say if that's your option, that's fine. Yeah. If that's your only way to water your plant, like we're everyone's busy. Yeah. Everyone has like, like life happens, right? Yeah. You can't always just stand out there with a water hose for two hours. Right. Do it in the morning. Yes. If you have the option, do it early in the morning. So that it has time to dry and evaporate before it's too hot. Right. And you won't just have water sitting on the leaves all day. Yeah. If you do it in the evening, you're not going to get as much evaporation at night. And then so you can have disease. water build up, disease problems, things like that. So if you're going to broadcast your water, if you're going to water with an overhead sprinkler, mm-hmm. do it first thing in the morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, sometimes that's our option and there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You just have to consider what the rest of the environment's going to be and how the plant's going to respond. Yeah. So make sure you do your homework, get on the Google, type in specific keywords to our area, like a tomato that can handle high heat and hum- uh, not humidity, dryness, you know, <laughs> an arid climate or that kind of thing or whatever you want to grow. And there are so many varieties you're gonna find something that will work for our area and then consider your watering habits and how you might change them this year and and just take into consideration that you can always just go check the soil and see if it's dry or see if it needs if it's not dry you know a a low a low tech you know yeah finger or screwdriver test yeah get grab a a garden stick whatever yeah whatever you've got if you've got a six inch screwdriver Mm -hmm. and you can sink it all the way to the hilt in the ground you probably don't need water probably not okay goodbye thanks bye bye